I ask scientists, are you capable to develop vaccine against stupidity? listeners we're back for our first episode after the summer break yes and today we're going to take a look at mandatory vaccination against covid and if it could be useful to get cases down again of course and it seems like a no-brainer covid cases are rising again why not just make everyone take the vaccine welcome to episode 12 mandatory vaccination could it backfire we just heard from Vitenis Andrukaitis, the former EU health commissioner and a former health minister in Lithuania. We talked to him late last year as the first corona vaccines were coming available. But the idea that people would refuse to get a COVID jab seemed quite ridiculous at the time. But yesterday, President Biden said he's mandating shots for 100 million Americans, including private sector employees, healthcare workers, and federal contractors. Right, and this is after other countries like France have announced similar plans. We looked at vaccination drives against measles to see what we can learn about how useful mandatory vaccinations against COVID might be. Or if, as the Sorbonne's Jeremy Ward has argued, they might lead to a breakdown of trust in the medical system. We asked experts, including Samantha Vanderslot, a researcher at the Oxford Vaccine Group, if the past has any lessons about how to best implement mandatory vaccinations. Join me, Eva von Schaper, and my colleague, Daiva Rebichkaite, as we comb through research to find out what you can do and what our governments can do to stop the spread of disinformation because we believe that knowing about disinformation is the only way to protect ourselves against it. We believe this is one of the most important fights of the future because so much is at stake. So before we talk a bit more about mandatory vaccinations, we just want to take a minute to welcome our new listeners. Hello and thank you for your interest. If you like our show, please tell your families, your coworkers and your neighbors. That's right. If you know someone who might enjoy this show, just pick up your phone, you know it's right next to you somewhere, and text them the link right now. Right, we really need your help to get the word out about our show. Okay, so let's start talking about just making people get the COVID shot, and then everything will be okay, right? Well... I think, first of all, it's important to say that in many parts of the world, there is not enough vaccine for this to even be a topic. You know, you're right. So what we're really looking at is a first world problem. Yes, exactly. Okay, but for those countries that have enough of the vaccine, this is really increasingly becoming an important topic, isn't it? Right. But before we talk about mandatory vaccinations, maybe we should take a look at what the term really means. Okay, last year I talked to Alberto Giublini, who researches the ethics of vaccination at the University of Oxford. And um, he had this actually very funny comment about what mandatory vaccination is. It's not about police coming to your house with a syringe. It's usually a conditionality. So if you do X, you get Y. Tubalini told us, or in the cases of 
the United States, if you don't do X, you might be subject to some kind of repercussions, which is, I think, what is also in Biden's plans. So is this a new topic? Have any countries made vaccines mandatory in the past? Well, again, people are really reacting uh, quite strongly to this, but um, we have had mandatory vaccinations in Europe and in the United States for a long time. When we checked out uh, the situation in Europe, in December of 2019, 13 of 36 European countries required certain vaccines from healthcare workers, and nine EU countries had some form of mandatory measles vaccination for children. And in the United States, according to the National Academy for State Health Policy, five routine childhood vaccines are generally required for children attending childcare or school in all states. What vaccines are required? So childcare and schools in the United States ask for a range of vaccines against uh, childhood illnesses like polio or chickenpox or measles, mumps and rubella, which is also called the MMR vaccine. How about the COVID vaccine? Where is that mandatory at the moment? So in Australia, the vaccination is mandatory for high-risk workers in um, elder care, employees in quarantine hotels. In Britain, also home care workers will have to take vaccinations from October. And what's also interesting is that English nightclubs and other venues with large crowds are going to ask uh, patrons to present proof of full vaccination beginning at the end of this month, so beginning at the end of September. In France, vaccinations are mandatory for healthcare workers, and they've also asked people to show the health pass in many social places. Diva, how about in your home country in Lithuania? Is, is anything mandatory in Lithuania? So there's a document which shows that the person has been vaccinated, recovered from COVID, or has recently been tested. And it's increasingly required in many places. Lately, Vilnius University said that students will be required to show this document, which is called a national certificate, if they want to live in, in its student residence. So even though this looks like this is something really new, I think we want to remember that vaccine hesitancy has been around for a very long time. Yes, and former Commissioner Andrukaitis has been dealing with it for years, and this is what he told us. How can we address issues related to vaccine hesitancy? But please keep in mind, vaccine hesitancy is a very old phenomenon, just from the beginning. When Dr. Jenner uh, you know, discovered the vaccines, immediately uh, he was surrounded by, by scaremongers, by misinterpretations, uh, in, in because it is, it is in our human nature. We, are, we all have fear, fear, and this fear creates a lot of, of, of obstacles. Maybe it is, you know, maybe it also belongs to our behavioral issue. Uh, don't, uh, you know, mislead that vac vaccine is today's phenomenon. No, this phenomenon is a very old one. It and is. of course, you can see many, many reasons why it is. But step by step in development of new technologies and possibilities to have more effective vaccines and to have more effective vaccine safety systems, and more thorough assessment, which doesn't matter. Some part of society stays in doubt. Because 
Also, you can see new phenomena. Trust in science is going down. We've been seeing in France and now in the United States that healthcare workers and unions are really bristling at these new plans. Daiva, I think we also had something really similar in Lithuania, your home country. I think there was a very large outbreak of the measles in 2019 that led to some resistance to vaccination. Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, but even then, the country's institutions could not pass long-planned measures to introduce a mandatory measles vaccination drive. So it started in 2011, when the country's MMR vaccination rate slipped under the level needed for herd immunity. Okay, right. Let's just remember that MMR is the shorthand for the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccination. And herd immunity is the percentage of people who have to be vaccinated to protect the unvaccinated members of any community. So for measles, I think it's about 95%, isn't it? That's what experts say. So an outbreak in Lithuania erupted in 2013 when Vitanis Andriukaitis, who we heard earlier, was the Minister of Health. And he responded with an order to make entry to kindergartens conditional on vaccination certificates three years later, so from 2016. But the parliament never changed the laws to enable the mandatory measures. Four parliament members from three different opposition parties at the time took the issue to court, which declared the vaccination requirement unconstitutional. After the national election in 2016, the new ruling party, the left of center Farmers and Greens Union, shunned mandatory vaccinations, and the government vowed to improve education on the benefits of vaccination instead. This became a hot topic again during the run-up to the 2020 Lithuanian election amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Mandatory vaccination, yes or no, became a question on TV debates and in candidate surveys. And the farmers and greens were pressured from the right and from the left to consider mandatory measures. Some opposition parties, though, started exploring vaccine skepticism as their political stance. So, Daiva, so the resistance to the measles vaccination, there was really a lot of political back and forth around it. Um, has it changed the political landscape in Lithuania in any way? Well, a number of politicians have tried to tap into the social media panic surrounding vaccination. They're still seen speaking at rallies. Still, in recent times, there are also examples of the success of mandatory vaccinations. For example, Italy, after a number of measles outbreaks, made inoculation a prerequisite for attending daycare, kindergarten, and school. While we did see a rise in vaccination rates to the level needed to secure herd immunity, it's always remained a subject of political debate. I talked to an Italian pediatrician and asked her what she thought. When I started to do medicine, we did not have any more cases of measles. So was, uh, the measles was uh, just something that was written on books, but was impossible to, to see the, the disease. Uh, four years ago, when I was uh, I was still a trainee in uh, pediatrics, I remember the hospital became full, completely full of uh, of children with uh, with measles. This is the Italian pediatrician Lorenzo Romani. Looking back, she thinks that introducing mandatory measures to control measles in 2017 was an important stopgap measure to control the crisis. She noticed that people who had previously not given much thought to vaccination just 
did what was required. We also talked to Samantha van der Sloot, who researches vaccine hesitancy at the Oxford Vaccine Group. She recently published a paper on mandatory childhood vaccination policies worldwide. When we spoke to her, we wanted to know if there was a situation that is comparable to the one we have now. I think um, governments will be considering whether they they put in mandatory policies or, um, I don't know, particular policies for certain groups, so healthcare workers um, and private companies also are, are getting into this area by talking about making vaccination mandatory for air travel, um, possibly also supermarkets or other kind of events um, might be considering mandatory vaccination. So it's something that will have to be considered um, by governments, even if they're not implementing a policy themselves. I suppose in terms of it backfiring, the strongest examples are maybe earlier in uh, a couple of centuries ago. So um, <laughs> it might it might not be um the best uh examples to use and then i think the compulsory vaccination policies in europe have been quite complex in the reasons and yeah intricacies of the law and policy so drawing parallels there might be also a bit tricky i think with the example with france um there have been signs that making making recommended vaccines compulsory when we, we already had one for DTP um, was was more a case of clarifying the law um, mm -hmm. or clarifying the policy position. So, yeah, the, the research on that has been that um, the recommended vaccines weren't seen as important as as that compulsory one. So, um, yeah, it's quite early to, to look at effects, but... Um, that's that's some of the research findings and i think with italy you see some kind of similar things in that even though vaccines were compulsory um the different regions uh had some autonomy in how they were implementing that um and enforcing that and then there was a slight regression i, I think yeah one one region you probably know about this um veneto and a change of law in education policy um mm -hmm saying that you, you're not going to be refusing school entry. And then that that led to some slight confused um, reactions about um, whether vaccines were mandatory or not. Um, so ha having a law of making the vaccines mandatory was, was maybe just um, enforcing a position that was already being held. I suppose the German example of um, choosing one vaccine for for measles and making that compulsory for school entry and yeah. childcare. That's probably one that you can draw more parallels with because it's a particular vaccine and it's in response to an outbreak, which um, probably has more in common with COVID-19. Right. And we also asked her what might be the best strategy over time. I think um, the main takeaway is that it, it takes time and it takes quite a lot of resources and um, it's uh, relationship building and improving your your services so something that doesn't have an effect very quickly um, a lot of the time 
Uh, and then we see it's really quite historical examples of um, vaccine communication and publicity campaigns that did work quite well in the in the 40s in in Britain and in the US. Um, maybe more recently, I think Australia have been doing uh, quite a few of these uh, sort of pro pro vaccine campaigns, um, which they they think have been successful. And using role models, um, they had this I immunize campaign where they wanted to use kind of pro vaccine role models to say that, yeah, they're also vegetarian and they immunize and you know, so it's trying to tap into, uh, <laughs> groups, um, that might be associated with, um, not wanting to have vaccines because they see it as not as natural and, um, adopting certain lifestyles. So there may be, hasn't been um, a big um, national campaign promoting vaccines or, or vaccine education. They, they tend to, have, I think they've tended to have trialed in smaller regions and um, smaller areas. So yeah, looking for that big example of it working, uh, I don't think we've got, um, but it will be interesting to see with um, COVID-19, I think um, keeping an eye on Israel, uh, what they've been doing has um, has been quite interesting. The key to vaccine uptake doesn't lie with persuading people who hold strict anti-vaccine beliefs. Jason Reifler, a professor at the University of Exeter, told us. Reifler studies ways in which people respond to vaccine-related misinformation. If this now becomes an issue that people start thinking about, um, they might start having more formed or more crystallized attitudes about vaccines, um, about this specific policy. I think it's harder to predict which way they might need to go. Okay. Um, some will probably become, you know, mobilized by. Uh, by um, messages against this. Yeah. Um, part of it's also going to see be the extent to which it overlaps with um, is this just more generalized populist anti elites anti government um, sentiment, and so it taps into that. And the specific vehicle for that may not be super important. Um, but there also will be some people who, uh, because they've started thinking about this issue some more will become sort of more pro-vaccine. They'll say, well, of course this makes sense. I don't want my kids right. to get sick because uh, other people were unwilling to get vaccinated. Right. This is again, this is why that vaccine hesitant population, I think is, is really, really important and that most of the time they comply. The okay. true strong anti-vaxxers, they're just not gonna, it's very unlikely they're right. gonna comply, but it's very, very small. Coming back to the former EU health commissioner, Andrew Kaitas, the mastermind of this scrapped mandatory vaccination policy in Lithuania, he says that both voluntary and mandatory vaccination are needed. It is a little bit uh, strange opposition between voluntary vaccination and mandatory. You need to have both, voluntary and mandatory. It's not uh, in contradiction to each other. We have got the wrong mistake to say that you know, it's contradicting now. You need to see if you have a decline in your uh, uh, vaccination rates and you have threats around and you, if you have no chance to achieve 
and to guarantee safety of society and to guarantee um, possibilities to, to, to monitor situation and to prevent people from, from outbreak, then you can propose mandatory vaccination. You can see now pictures in the Netherlands. They have voluntary vaccination system, but the vaccination rate is very, very high because societal perception is very, uh, you know, positive to, to, to vaccination. Uh, but if you look at uh, at, at picture in France, for example, now in France you see the biggest in the figures of vaccine hesitancy, and the same was situation in Italy. When I started my job as European Commissioner, I, I we analyzed situation in Italy. They had at that time they had very you know complicated picture because their system do not allow to have pan national uh, uh, vaccination policy and and to introduce more or less uh, more harmonized and more synergetic approach. Uh, on vaccination issues. And Minister of Health, uh, Madame uh, Lorenzin, uh, Patrice Lorenzin, she asked me, well, how can we join our forces and, 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 and propose more clear science-based vaccination strategy? Science-based. Okay, we join our forces and we propose that if you have no chance to, 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 you know, to stop measles outbreak, you can introduce measures which should be obligatory. For example, you can't allow children go to kindergartens if they are not vaccinated. It means that you have to, you know, to protect children who are in, in, in kindergartens and also to protect those children who are not vaccinated. And you can, uh, you know, monitor situation, encourage parents to vaccinate their children. It means that mandatory and voluntary instruments can be used together depending on a real uh, epidemiological situation and how many threats do you have and how uh, you are capable to preserve society from, from outbreaks. Okay, so that was our show for today. Please join us again in two weeks. If you want to hear more stories about vaccine hesitancy, you can look up the inoculation wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, Inoculated. The link is in the show notes. You can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Our reporting is supported by journalismfund.eu, Media Lab Bayern, and Topfish Stiftung. Bye for now.